0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today we have a special guest. And before I talk about my guest, I just want to say how this all came about. I was coming back on Sunday from a trip to see my family and the school where I'll be teaching at next year. They asked if I would attend a conference called Responsive Classroom. It's sort of like a conference seminar. And it was literally going to be the next day, so I'm landing at 8 o'clock, and they said, hey, do you want to go to this thing? It starts at 8.30 tomorrow morning. So I said, yeah, sure. I I made it happen. I came out here, and it's really cool. The gentleman who is running the seminar, his name is Earl Hunter II, and that's who we're going to be talking about today, hear his background, hear his story, and moreover... He's going to explain a little bit about what Responsive Classroom is all about, how to integrate it into learning. And for parents listening out there, you can take some of these strategies, hopefully, and even implement them, maybe suggest them to educators, etc. But I'm really excited because it's something new for me. And so just to give a little background, Earl Hunter II, he is a fifth grade teacher. He is also an education consultant with Responsive Classroom. So without further ado, Earl, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josefa. So thank you for thank you for joining us. So first of all, tell us what's a little bit about your background. Your teacher now is that was that always something you wanted, or how did that
1: come about? Um, not not really. I mean, it, it, children were always in my background. Um, I am going into my 18th year of teaching, and when I started college, basically I wanted to be a doctor, and then I found chem- chemistry and realized I couldn't pass chemistry and. I thought I'd take another route through through uh, psychology to become a doctor and took a child psych class, and that really intrigued me. And then I thought, oh, rather than be a doctor, I'd be a child psychologist. And in order to be a child psychologist, or actually I wanted to be a school psychologist, um, I decided the best way to do that is to go into the classroom first. And so uh, I told myself that I'd spend five years in the classroom and then transition to school psych and I I never wanted to leave. I, I loved it I love kids I love the connection I loved everything about just you know you teach someone something it started when I was when I was a teenager my mom had a, uh, a daycare uh, center and I would teach kids how to walk and like how to recognize letters and when they would remember it, it was kind of the most awesome thing in the world. Like I taught them something that they would carry on for the rest of their lives. And uh, and so I, I, I found the magic that was being in the classroom and I was hooked and you know, five years turned to eight. And then on my ninth year, I decided to transition out of public school. I taught inner city public school, 68th Street School in South Central LA. Uh, then my own children started school uh, at a little private school in Culver City called Echo Horizon School. And they introduced me to a responsive classroom. I got a position there as a fifth grade teacher. And they were doing this thing every morning where kids were sitting in a circle and they were communicating and they were sharing with each other and they were like expressing themselves and listening and asking questions. And it was, it, that was mind boggling to me because um, some of the things that I was criticized for. Uh, in the public realm was for that sort of, you know, being too touchy-feely, not physically touchy-feely, but, like, just too about the emotional part and not really digging into the test, right? Not teaching to the test. And so um, so when I found this responsive classroom thing, it changed me. It changed who I was. And I, I felt like a brand-new teacher in that excitement level starting in year nine. And so I kept going. I... Took all three of the uh, at that point at that time we had three uh, levels RC one RC two and RC three I took all three Um, and when I love something I'm into it I'm geeked about it and so I guess my instructors (coughs) uh, took note of that and so when Responsive Classroom was looking for uh, to increase their consultant pool especially on the West Coast uh, my name came up and another couple years of a pretty arduous process hundred pages of writing, and you know, observations, and another couple seminars, and, and now, now I'm here. And so this is my third summer uh, teaching, and it's, it's another one of those things, like when I got into the classroom, it's, I, I, I couldn't, I can't explain the power, the, the joy that you feel when educators, like grown ups are listening to you and they're taking notes on the things that you say, it's, it's pretty amazing. So now you so you got
0: into <clears throat> responsive classroom. For people out there listening who don't know what it's all about, what is
1: responsive classroom? Um, responsive classroom, I always say this, but responsive classroom's not a program. It's an approach. It's, it's a series of strategies that teachers can use in order to make their classrooms more engaging by having effective management tools, by creating a positive community, and also all the while having a deeper understanding of the developmental responsiveness that is necessary in the classroom with kids that all have different needs and all have different learning styles. And so it's a way that just gets kids into education in that non-standard sort of way, in a way that's not paper and pencil and it takes, it, you know, it, it removes the worksheet and has kids up and talking and moving and being excited about learning. So maybe, could
0: you give us an example <clears throat> as, as far as, let's say, let's think about the traditional way, maybe we have lectures or things like that, In whether you're talking about college or grade level, how would you contrast that to a responsive classroom approach for any, any particular subject, whether it's math, science, whatever?
1: So one of the, the main differences is that the traditional classroom, um, I, I always say it has this sort of uh, invisible stage built at the front of the classroom where the teacher is the main attraction. The kids are there to listen and to obey the teacher and you know, take notes and, and you know, recall facts. Where in a responsive classroom, the stu- the this the, that stage at the front is broken down and the whole classroom is a stage and every and the students are the center um, in a responsive classroom students are creating the rules for the classroom in a way that is guided by the, the teacher and it it allows them to have an investment in their environment and in what happens in their classroom and it gives them a deeper connection to rather to, to the classroom and to the maintenance of the emotional environment as well as the physical environment. And so, um, you know, when they have that investment, then they're able to engage in a way that is so much deeper. And it's not just because the teacher told you so. It's one of those things where they are a part of their learning always. Um, The traditional classroom is everyone be quiet, listen, raise your hand when you want to speak. And a responsive classroom is a classroom that's that's noisy, um, and noisy in the way that is noise that productive. Noisy kids are talking to each other, but about content, and rather than just when, you know, kids have a need to talk. Every kid wants to talk, and so if I offer, or if a teacher, an educator offers them opportunities to talk around content, then they're then they're satisfying a need, and then they're available for a deeper sense of learning. You know, every day starts with a morning meeting rather than starting right into academics every day. Kids sit in a circle and they listen to one another. They greet each other, which is almost, it's something that seems so simple, but it's, it's, it's almost lost. You know, we have this, we have this, we are now in an age of impersonal digital communication and we are losing the human connection. And so... The thing that we call morning meeting every morning that kids are engaging in gives them an opportunity to look each other in the eye to greet one another to have some fun to share something personal or something just light and airy Um, and and also to engage around content but in a fun way and to get their day started so that they've felt belonging they have felt significance and they've had some fun and then that leaves the rest of the day open for learning at a maximum level. It's interesting when you think about, let's say,
0: typical conferences for adults. Uh, If you go to, I just went to one for Udemy, which is an online education platform. Or any, any, whatever walk of life, whatever conference you've ever been to, they always start with a meet and greet, usually. So it could be around cocktails, it could be in the morning, around breakfast, whatever have you. And it makes sense because it's energizing, it's charging up. So why not apply the same principles to the classroom and I think you're right, that does get lost. Another an interesting thing that we did yesterday was we taught we went through this, maybe you can expand on this a little bit, but we we went through the exercise that you could potentially go through on the first day of class where we're talking about rules and respecting other classmates and so on and so forth. And more than that though, goals. Like what do you want to get out of this year? And the way that Earl walked us through everything was it's sort of like just like he said before, it's more about it's not listening to the teacher necessarily. It's like listening to yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about that process, and then how you they have more investment and they're they're more inclined to to
1: follow these rules because they are the ones that create it. Well, the basis for the rules uh, is an understanding that uh, before we even go into any creating of rules, the the kids are developing hopes and dreams for the year, and there's really a a need to take time to allow them the opportunity to figure out what is it that they have as a goal? What do they want to achieve in the year? Not one of those, I want to get better at math, although that that may be a goal that a kid has, but it gives the kids an opportunity to be introspective um, and to think about what they want from the year. And when each of those kids is able to articulate what they want, they also get a chance to see that everyone has a little bit of something different that they want and while they're all in the same classroom and many of them have spent several years together by the time they get to me in fifth grade um, once everyone articulates that they have a different goal then you you have to consider what needs to happen in a classroom whether it be an adult adult workshop like we're having uh, this week or an elementary classroom if everyone has a different goal then there needs to be a consideration of what has to happen in order for those goals to be met. And so then there's a process through which the kids start developing an understanding of what things are necessary for that to happen, and then... um, and then they go into this rule creation process. I so won't go too far into it, maybe you'll want to come take the course, and I'll teach you then. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: sure. For, so just to give you an idea, the rules that we created yesterday, because we sort of went through this entire process to to feel it out. And here they are. I'm going to try and read them out loud. One is respect our community. Two is be a courageous learner. Three is engage in the process and 4 is make emotional connections so that's about the more the social aspect and making friends and being positive etc and which i thought was really cool and the other thing that earl said yesterday which was especially interesting cuz i think it's even more interesting when you see how this stuff actually plays out in the classroom from a data standpoint. But he says that when he does this exercise at the beginning, he rarely ever has to point back to the kids and say, hey, by the way, w- you need to review the rules because you just violated them or whatever. It's sort of once that once that
1: foundation is set, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful, right? You were m- mentioning that? Absolutely. You know, once the kids do create rules in the, in the classroom, one of the most important jobs that the teacher has is to keep those rules alive and 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 i actually hate i I don't hate anything but i i i dislike using the term rules i never call them rules um i call them agreements um we call them agreements in our class constitution in my in my classroom other people call them guidelines agreements whatever um, because rules has such a negative connotation now um but it's the teacher's job to when giving feedback on a number of things is to really connect all of those pro-social behaviors that, this, that the students are exhibiting to the rules that they created or to the guidelines that they created and really help them understand that everything that they do is founded in those rules or in those agreements. And when they can connect to the agreements, those agreements, again, they also understand that the agreements were created in order to help them to realize their hopes and dreams. So there's, there's, there's a, a, a symbiosis going on. Everything is connected and depends on each other in order for the classroom community, that positive community, to not only be created, but to be nurtured, and also for the learning to be at its peak. Because while it is important that we create a positive community, but um, it's important that we create a positive community at the same time, kids do our job is to teach kids and they need to learn a certain set of skills whether social and emotional or academic and those things are reinforced through their connection to each other and their connection to the process that they've engaged in and it's not here's t- teachers rules obey them or else and and that's kind of where I started i mean you know i i call it the dark ages um, before, my, before my enlightened responsive classroom period um, where I was you know, as I said to you guys yesterday I was an effective teacher you know, I have a group of 25 year olds that are roaming this earth right now that can attest to the fact that I did okay by them. however I didn't have everything that I possess now then and so I, I can only imagine how much more powerful I would be. You know, I, I often envy teachers like yourself who are new in education and have not, you know, didn't have to wait until year nine or ten to get something like this. Um, the the power that you have to transform classrooms and to create an environment that really helps kids to thrive is it's 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 awesome.
0: Now, are there particular? types of kids or types of learners that would especially benefit from responsive classroom? For, for example, if there's a parent listening that maybe their child has, is very extroverted, has a tendency to talk a lot and normally is getting reprimanded constantly, would this be, or is this kind of like something that across the board is going to benefit everybody?
1: This is, um, I think the most, this set of strategies is most effective for students that are uh, alive. <laughs> and I mean, literally it really, it really is something powerful ev- for, for every kind of kid. Um, it helps the extrovert have opportunities to express themselves. And in a way that doesn't always, you know, we, we, people like me who are extroverts, sometimes get accused of sort of sucking the air out of the room. and it gives them opportunities, manageable, meaningful opportunities to communicate. Um, and not always have to be on stage, and then at the same time, it also creates an emotional safety for the introvert who may not be ready to always articulate something to the whole group. And as they grow through this process, and as the years of you know, I had the the good fortune of being in a school that was uh, a totally responsive classroom school, and for that. You know, I saw kids who had years of it, and they're able to to communicate with each other, and on a grand scale that really just allowed for uh, for them to, to to just to shine in any sort of way. So the extrovert has opportunities, the introvert has opportunities, and then those kids, you know, throughout. For parents who are
0: listening now and they're saying, hey, this sounds really interesting, but I don't think this is being used at my school, and I want to encourage them to look at it or adopt it, what, what can
1: they do? Well, f- the first thing is to go to the responsiveclassroom.org website. Um, and that'll give, there are a lot of places where they can see uh, or read about what responsive classroom is. Um, they can go and talk to their school leader um, we actually, coming up in, uh, at the end of October, October 22nd, 23rd, uh, 23rd, 21st, 22nd, 24th, and 25th, we have two conferences uh, going on in Washington, D.C., uh, we have the responsive classroom teacher conference for teachers who want to get more and understand what this is about before they commit to an entire week workshop. And the leadership conference is a couple days later, um, and that's for school leaders to come in and find out what responsive classroom is about to see different components of it. And then they can also interact with other school leaders who have implemented responsive classroom with fidelity across their whole campus. Um, and then We have a a responsive classroom YouTube channel where they can see videos of teachers using these practices with fidelity and engaging students in in real classrooms, not scripted, not sort of, you know, those really pretty classrooms that are just put together for for video purposes. These are just, you know, sort of fly on the wall opportunities for people to see what these strategies look like. Awesome. All right, guys. So that website, all
0: that information will be in the show notes. You can check out the show notes at www.scalerlearning.com. And if you have any questions or comments for me, as always, please email me at huzaifa at scalarlearning.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for joining. Earl, thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you. Thank you. And we will see you guys next time. Take it easy. Yeah.